welcome to the podcast of Follow Baptist Church. Our vision and mission is to follow Jesus in our community for His glory. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged and inspired by this message. For more information on Follow Church, you can visit our website at www.followchurch.com.au. We're going to read from the Word today. Uh, If you've got your Bibles, we continue on in the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16, is going to be our text. And then we're also going to read 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 through to 16. Uh, And I'm just going to read out of the English Standard Version. I'm not sure what is uh, new living on the screen. Maybe the new living translation, I assume. That's the Persian version. I'm reading from God's Word. Hallelujah. No, just saying. Um, let's go. Galatians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envies, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. And I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And against such things there is no law, or there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. And 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15 and 16. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I received mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts today.
that's how long our one-minute welcome should take. <laughs> one minute. Felt like an hour, didn't it? So I practiced this week. I thought, that can't be a minute. It's going to be 10 minutes. But it's one minute, standing awkwardly on a platform in front of you. And if you're visiting today, you're probably thinking, oh, strike, this is awkward. The preacher has frozen and he's so nervous he doesn't know what to say. Well, rest assured, that's not the case. But I'm sure you can probably guess what I'm going to speak about today. Good guess. Well done. Very good. Today we are talking about patience. We're continuing our series on the fruits of the Spirit. And last week, Dave Young kicked off our series in a really uh, great way with a fantastic message uh, on peace. And so if you missed that, you can listen to that on our website. But last week in his message, he showed a slide that looks sort of similar to this one. And it lists all the the fruits of our sinful nature and the fruits of the Holy Spirit as uh, they are recorded in Galatians chapter 5. And as you look at the slide, you'll see that uh, both of the fruits produced by those different natures are very different. Uh, On one side, you've got sexual immorality, idolatry, sorcery, jealousy, anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, and drunkenness. They're the fruits of our sinful nature. But on the other side, you've got the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Last week, Dave laid a great foundation for our series, and he made the important point that the fruit in our lives, the fruit of the Spirit, is very important, but it's actually a secondary purpose of this series, not the primary purpose. And so as we go through this series in the next few weeks, we don't want you to leave feeling more, more guilty when you fall short, but rather to rest in the grace of God. We don't want you to strive harder, but we want you to rely more on the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not asking you to simply gain a whole lot more head knowledge, even memorizing all of these fruits. That's important. But instead, we pray that you come to know Jesus in a greater way. Of course, we all want these fruits in our lives. In fact, if people live these fruits out in their everyday life, more regularly, this world would be a much better place. But the most important thing in this series is that we get the source right, that we know the person who provides all of these. Today, I want to point you to Jesus. And as we look at him as our role model in the center of our lives, and as we're filled each day with the power of the Holy Spirit, the end result will be that these fruits start to flow naturally from our lives rather than in some sort of legalistic, obligatory, I don't know if that's a word, but you know what I mean, kind of forced way. We want these things to flow from our lives naturally. And so today I want, at the start of this message, for you to close your eyes. And I want you to come on a bit of a journey with me this morning. You're a bit, no, I actually meant that literally. Close your eyes. Excellent. We're going to go on a journey and I want you to picture that you are out in the middle of a beautiful place. Abel, your eyes aren't closed. Close your eyes. Thank you. Uh, We're out in a beautiful place in nature. And I want you to picture that you are hiking. And it's just an amazing part of the world. But in the last little while, it's become more difficult. You're in the middle of nowhere. You're kind of a bit lost. You've got a big backpack on your back. And you ran out of water hours ago. You're now tired. You're frustrated. You smell bad. And you are very thirsty. You're about to give up. But as you come over the top of a ridge that you're hiking up, you look down, and at the bottom of the ridge is this crystal clear stream. It's so fresh that it's great to swim in, 
and it's beautiful to drink. The water is ice cold and so you rush down there and you pull up your uh, trouser bottoms and you get into the water and you start wading around and you splash your face and you fill up your water bottle and you scull the whole thing. Now, while you've got your eyes closed, I want you to imagine how refreshing it would be in that moment. You were tired, you were thirsty, your body was uh, starting to be sick and now you've got this water and it's beautiful and refreshing and you've sculled a whole cup of it. It would be a refreshing moment. Now with your eyes closed still, I want you to imagine the exact same scenario except for one small detail. You're no longer in that crystal clear stream, but you are at South Bank and you are waist deep in the Yarra River, a half-eaten Big Mac is in the water next to you and a disposable nappy has just floated by and you have just finished sculling a cup of that water. Now, you can open your eyes now. You've finished that nightmare. But there's a big difference, isn't there? The source in one uh, spot is pure and untainted and beautiful. And in the other spot, it's not clean. It's ruined. And we've ruined it. It's our waste. It's our pollution. It's our neglect. It's our laziness that has caused the Yarra River to be absolutely filthy while the other stream is largely untouched. Now, I want to use that analogy and I want to use it to point to our nature, our sinful nature and our spirit nature. And it's really the exact same scenario. In Genesis chapter 1, we read about God creating the heavens and the earth. And after he'd done all that, he said, it's good. And then he created the pinnacle of his creation, mankind. And he said, it's very good. Mankind was blameless, innocent, sinless, righteous. Now, I want you to think about mankind like that, and then I want you to watch the 6 o'clock news tonight. And when you finish the 6 o'clock report, I want you to ask the question, are you left with the impression that mankind is very good, or are you left with the impression that we're a bit of a mess? I think you can answer that question without yelling it out this morning. I think deep down we know the answer to it, and the reason for that mess that we find ourselves in is found in Genesis chapter 3. Adam and Eve, the first ever human beings that were created, decided they didn't need God anymore. They wanted to be independent and they walked away from God and decided to do things their own way. At that exact moment, sin entered creation and the whole world and all of humanity have wrestled with the consequences of sin ever since. One of those consequences is that when we are born, we are born with a sinful nature. We don't have to teach a baby to say no We don't have to teach a a child to do their own thing. They just naturally do it because we're born with a sinful nature. And part of our sinful nature is this, that we no longer gravitate towards God. We actually gravitate away from Him and towards ourselves. And so the results of that kind of selfish living are seen in that slide that we showed before. Our lives are polluted. The source is no longer pure because we're living from and for ourselves. And so as we drink from our own nature and our own desires, the end result is that we end up sick. We end up in sin. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin are death. Now, the great news of the gospel, and this is why I just love talking about Jesus. It's why I love preaching the gospel each time I preach, because it's incredibly good news. And the good news is this, that the sin that makes us sick, the antidote for that is Jesus. Jesus is the one that can take that sin from our lives. The sin that makes us sick, Jesus took upon himself at the cross 
He stretched out his hands, he died in our place, and he said, it is finished. And so Jesus Christ, uh, when we're in a relationship with him, reverses the effects of sin uh, when he died for us at the cross, which, by the way, is a free gift. It wasn't free for him. He died for our sin. But when we accept him, it's a free gift. Salvation is a free gift. We don't have to earn it. We don't have to strive for it. We merely have to accept what Christ has done. And when we do, the Bible says we're forgiven. The Bible makes it clear that we are declared innocent and we have the promise of eternal life because the thing that causes death, which is sin, has now been paid for and removed. When we accept Christ, the Bible also tells us that we receive the Holy Spirit, that God himself is not just with us, but he is in us. The Bible says the old has gone, the new has come. We're no longer dead in sin, but we're now dead to sin. And the Bible says we are alive in Christ. Don't you love that, that we come alive in Jesus? If you're not a Christian here today, if you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't let anyone tell you that he's boring, that he's outdated, that he's irrelevant. Jesus is our Savior. And when he comes into our life, we come alive eternally. It's a wonderful thing to be in relationship with the God who created us through his son, Jesus Christ. It's incredibly good news. We're a new creation. We have a new heart. And as a result of the Holy Spirit entering our hearts at the point of conversion, we can start to produce new fruit because the source is no longer our sinful nature, which is corrupt and polluted, but it's now the Holy Spirit who is pure and righteous. And so Galatians 5 tells us what the fruits of the Spirit are And it's fair to say it starts incredibly well. It says the fruits of the Spirit are love. Don't we love love? Who loves to be loved? Just me and two people that nodded their head. We love to be loved. We love to give love. We love to receive love. We love to feel love. We love love. Everyone wants more love in their lives. The fruits of the Spirit are love. Fruits of the Spirit are love and joy. Who wants to be joyful? You know, as Christians, we should be the most joyful people on the planet. When people should walk in here, they should think this is a bunch of weirdos. I mean, they are just joyful no matter what the circumstances are. It should be one of those uh, gifts, one of those fruits that the Holy Spirit pours into our heart so much so that it overflows. And it's one of the things that makes us so different to everyone else. That no matter what we go through, there is a joy that comes from our lives because the source of that joy is not us, it's the Holy Spirit. And so we should be incredibly joyful people. So smile today. We're joyful. Fruits of the Spirit are love, joy. Dave said last week, the fruits of the Spirit are peace. And he talked about a peace that we can have, a peace that passes all understanding, the kind of peace we can have when it makes no sense at all to have any peace. And yet we can have peace in our lives and in our hearts because once again, the source is not us, it's the Holy Spirit. We have the peace and the promises of God. The fruits of the Spirit are love and joy and peace and patience. Hang on a second. Patience, it was going so well, wasn't it? It's like it's a typo, isn't it? Like, who wants patience? We want what we want, and we want it now. Who wants? No one wants patience. Someone once told me, and I think this is bad theology, so don't live it out, but they said patience is one thing that we should never pray for. Why? Because if we pray for it, God will give it to us, and what will happen? We'll have to wait for it. And none of us like waiting. Patience is a very difficult thing. We live in an instant society. I think one of the biggest oxymorons in our society today 
and this is a huge problem, is waiting bays in a McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> Why are there waiting bays in a McDonald's drive-thru? If I want to wait for my meal, I'll be at Shanika's. I won't be going through a Macca's drive-thru. It makes no sense. Don't give me a, a waiting bay. Give me my meal and give it to me now. Don't get me started on Hungry Jacks. Quicker to get your own cow than get a burger there. I mean, it just takes forever. We are so impatient. We don't like waiting. None of us like being on hold with telco companies. None of us like waiting for the internet to load on a slow day. None of us like sitting on the M1 in peak hour traffic. No one likes standing in a queue. We are so impatient in the little things, let alone the big things in life, like patiently enduring suffering, like waiting for our kids or partner to come to know the Lord, like having a breakthrough in our lives and that thing that we just don't seem to ever have a breakthrough in. Why is it so hard to be patient? Why is it so hard to wait? Well, I think one of the reasons is that our sinful, fallen, broken nature doesn't come with inbuilt patience. And when you combine that with this instant society we find ourselves in, it is a recipe for constant frustration. Give us a microwave oven, two-minute noodles, crash course diets, get-rich-quick schemes, fast internet, spray tans, and we're all happy. But make us wait and we get very, very impatient. However, patience is one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's not a typo. It's right there in the list in Galatians chapter 5 and it's an attribute that should be present in our lives, in the lives of every regenerate disciple of Jesus Christ. And so how can we be more patient? This morning I want to make three main points and I hope that they can help us in this area of our lives. And the first point I want to make is this, that Jesus is incredibly patient with us. I don't know if you've noticed, but Jesus asks a lot of his followers, doesn't he? He asks us to, to do and to be a lot of stuff. But what I want you to realize today is that he never asks us to do anything that he hasn't or wouldn't do himself. He never asks us to do something that he hasn't first done. And so he says, I want you to forgive your enemies. It's difficult, isn't it? When someone's hurt you, someone's let you down, when someone's failed you, when someone's persecuted you, it's very difficult to forgive people. And yet Jesus, in the midst of being murdered by his enemies, doesn't just forgive them, but he prays that God the Father would ask to forgive them. He asks us to serve one another and the world around us. But then he greets guests by washing their feet. He says, to be a disciple, you need to deny yourself, to pick up your cross and to follow me daily. And then he not only carries his cross, but he's crucified on it. He says from the beginning that we had to be a people on mission. And then he leaves the glory of heaven, Emmanuel, God with us. And he comes to seek and save those who are lost. He says to love the world around us, but only first because he has loved us. In Jesus, we have the ultimate role model. He's gone before us paying the sacrifice, every sacrifice that you can imagine. And so when he asks us to be patient, he's not asking us to do something he isn't willing to do. In the passage that Ray read from today, from 1 Timothy, the Apostle Paul outlines that patience. Let me read it to you again this morning. It says, This is a trustworthy saying, 
and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience for even the worst of sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. This is written by the Apostle Paul. If you don't know much about the Apostle Paul, let me tell you a bit about him today. Before he was Paul, he was called Saul, and he's what we would know as a bit of a scumbag. He was an awful man. He was violent. He was angry. He was bitter. He was a persecutor of God's people. He was a murderer, and yet this man that seemed so far away from God, Jesus saved this guy. It's amazing. Now, I'm going to take a guess this morning. I'm going to hope And right now I'm silently praying that there is no one in this room that has murdered someone. Is there anyone here this morning that's murdered someone? Raise your hand. See that hand? See that hand? Only joking. People looking around going, where? (laughs) Behind me, not behind me. I'm guessing there's no one in this room that has murdered someone. And yet this guy had murdered people. He was the worst individual you could ever imagine. He wasn't just drifting away from God. He wasn't just running away from God. He was actively persecuting God. Now, I don't know about you, but I struggle to have patience, uh, even with the most precious people in my life. And it's fair to say, at times, they struggle to have patience with me. I live in a household with four females, And I often commit the unpardonable, unforgivable sin in our household, and that is uh, not putting the lid down on the toilet. And uh, this just happens all the time. They can kind of forgive me of every other sin, but the unpardonable sin is leaving the toilet lid up. And they still don't seem to get that it's on hinges. I mean, I've conducted a couple of in-depth training sessions. I show them how to lift it and then how it goes down again. Uh, and yet they still don't get it. And so in our household, uh, if it's not the birds squawking, it's the, it's the ladies yelling out, the lid! And they both sort of sound the same to me, but they kind of yell out about the lid. And I just yell back, remember what we talked about, it's on hinges. 50% of the congregation are laughing, 50% are furious. We have in our household those slow lowering lids. You know, you put it down, it's like, like that, you know. And, and as the, the ladies keep telling me, when you need to go, you need to go. And so it's imperative that the lid is down at all times. Um, so feel, you should feel sorry for me because there's, there's four of them, there's only two of us. So I've got to lift it all the time, you know. But they've just got to wait for it to go down. But what I want to really get across today is this, that ladies, is it possible that when your guy leaves up the lid that perhaps God is teaching you patience. (laughs) Is it possible that as you wait for the lid to go down, God is teaching you to be patient? See, guys, it's not our fault. If God uses us to teach our ladies patience, how can we be held responsible? I have got 50% of people that are fuming with me right now, and they won't listen to another thing I say for the rest of the sermon. My girls have to be patient with me, and it's fair to say at times they struggle. And here Paul is saying that in his life, we see a demonstration of the kind of patience that Jesus has with us. Paul's being held up as an example, the worst of the worst. And it's showing that Jesus is patient even with a man who is self-declared as the worst of sinners. 
That should be so encouraging for us today. So encouraging. That if Jesus saved that guy, if he was patient with that guy, then why can't he be patient with us? As I was preparing for this message and relying on the Holy Spirit for what to say, I really believe he impressed on my heart that there are people here today and you are always beating yourselves up. You're always beating yourselves up. Maybe you are that type of person that compares yourself to others and you look at other people and you see their giftings and you see what they're doing and you see their achievements and you think, well, I'm a failure in comparison to them. You might think to yourself, I haven't achieved what I thought I should have achieved by this stage in my life. Perhaps you've got a reoccurring struggle with a particular sin in your life and it keeps stumbling you and so you think, you know, if I keep stuffing this up all the time, then then Jesus possibly, he, he couldn't be patient with me anymore. I've blown my chances. Maybe he's given up. I want to remind you today of the patience that Christ has for us. The Bible talks about God. It says he is slow to anger. But it says he's abounding in love. First characteristic of love listed in that passage that we hear at weddings all the time, 1 Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Jesus is patient with us as we seek him, as we follow him. He demonstrates his patience for us in this way, that while we were still sinners, he died for us. And even though we still sin, he still loves us immensely. And so we need to remember that Jesus is patient with us. And as a result, we need to be patient with one another. We've talked about this a bit already in some of our series. We talk about how God pours stuff into our life. And it's not that we become hoarders of that stuff, but that we then distribute it to others. One of the things that he pours into our hearts is patience. He's patient with us. And so we need to be patient with one another. I'm going to make this point really quick and clear and simple today. If you have come to follow Baptist Church thinking that you have finally found a gathering of people where you will never be offended, never rub up against someone who annoys you, never have a difference of opinion, never experience letdown, never be hurt, let me save you two weeks of deluded thinking and tell you if you find a gathering like that, if you find a local church like that, you're not in church, you're in heaven. And so if you're in heaven, you're no longer living on earth. And so if you're living on earth, you may need to adjust your expectations on what a gathering of this might look like. You have come to a local church and there are people here that are humans. We are a bunch of good people. We are nice people but we are imperfect people. We are Christ-loving people. We are selfless. We are selfish. We are friendly. At times, we're aloof. We're passionate. We're apathetic. We're disciplined. We're undisciplined. We're fun. We're miserable. And so you need to start praying about when you encounter us. Because depending on when you encounter us, you might see a different thing. Make no mistake, we want to be more like Christ. And we're seeking God every day that the Holy Spirit would help us become more like Him. We're on a journey the Bible calls sanctification, where the Holy Spirit is transforming us day by day by day to become more and more in the image of Christ. But the truth is we're not there yet. And we won't arrive there until Jesus returns and we are in glory. So in the meantime, please be patient with us and we'll do our very best to be patient with you. And as we patiently endure and bear with one another, we will grow deeper with God and we'll live out the gospel of grace 
forgiveness, patience and love with one another. And as people look at us, they will know we're his disciples by the way that we love one another in that process. God wants us to be patient with one another. Ephesians chapter 4 says these words. I want to read this together this morning because I really hope and pray this passage sinks into our heart this morning. Can we do that? (laughs) Always. Repeat after me. Always. 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 We got it? One more time. Always. Be humble and gentle. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. Be patient. How many times do I have to say it until you get it? Be patient. Very good. With each other. Making allowance for each other's faults. Because of your love. Make every effort. Make every effort. To keep yourselves united in the Spirit. Binding yourselves together with peace. Jesus is patient with us. You don't have to repeat that. You're going to repeat the rest of my sermon now, aren't you? It's, just, it's going to be a really long day. I mean, we're going to finish at like 3 o'clock. We've got MCG training got to get to. So um, that's the end of that exercise. We're going to move on now. Jesus is patient with us. Don't repeat that. He wants us to be patient with one another. Third and final point I want to make today is this, that we can be patient. But there's a disclaimer. We can be patient with a lot of help. Can I produce for you a cup of beautiful fresh water from the Yarra River? Absolutely not. Can I be patient with you when the source of that patience is myself? Absolutely not. But I want you to notice in our key passages today that we are not expected to produce patience on our own. These passages actually drive us to a greater reliance on the power of the Holy Spirit, not on ourselves, but on Him. Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. Ephesians 5, 2, which you know off by heart now. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the Spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Church, we are people that are in a rush. We always want what we want and we want it now. But at the start of a new year, I believe that God wants us to grow in this area of patience. Not just to endure it, but to actually embrace it as a gift given by God, a fruit of His Holy Spirit. Romans chapter 5, one of my favorite passages in Scripture, verse 3, says, Not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings, because we know that sufferings produce patience. Patience produces character and character produces hope and hope does not disappoint we need to learn to be patient patient as individuals patient as a church we're six months old now and i've got to remind myself all the time to be patient because i don't like waiting 
I want more discipleship to happen. I want to be in our community more. I want people to come to know the Lord more. I want MCGs to get going. I want outreach to take off. I want it to happen now. But what God's teaching me is that I need to learn to be patient. Because as we wait, it's in that season so often that God grows us as people. That he actually prepares us and changes our character so that we're ready for the next door that he opens in our lives. We need to be patient as a church. We need to be patient with our friends and our family who have different ideas to us, who don't yet know the Lord and yet we're desperately praying for them. We need patience in areas of our lives that are very difficult when we want to see progress, but it's just slow going. If you're waiting for a life partner, you need patience. Now, I've met so many people on both sides of the coin and, and some people, they fret and they stress out and they, they're really stressed about finding a life partner. And the other bunch of people, they get on with life and they have experiences and they grow as a person and they, they get around other people and they see other couples. And so when God opens that door, they are more thoroughly prepared to walk through it. I've seen some people who are out of work and they, and they once again, they stress and they doubt God and, and they don't think they're ever going to find anything. And then I've seen other people that, that develop their skills and they get busy serving and volunteering and growing. And Dave Young last week mentioned how he's not in work at the moment, but I love the way that he just gets in uh, proactively serving and, and growing his skill set. So, so when God opens a door, he's going to be more prepared then than he is now. And so as we wait, don't see that as something we have to just endure, but embrace it as a gift from God. But in that time, he will develop us. We need to be patient with ourselves. We need to be patient with each other. And so let me finish with a question this morning. What things at the start of a new year do you need to hand over to God? Patiently trusting in his perfect timing and in his faithfulness. Let me say that one more time. What things at the start of a new year do you need to hand over to God, patiently trusting in his timing and his faithfulness? Church, this morning, let's remember that Jesus is incredibly patient with us, that we are called to be patient with one another, and that patience is possible because it's a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Let's bow our heads and we'll pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for your word. We just thank you that it's a gift to us, to encourage us, to remind us of who you are, to remind us of your faithfulness, and to remind us of your patience with us. We don't deserve it, Lord. We keep falling short of your standard, and yet time after time, you forgive us. Time and time again, you extend your grace, and time and time again, you show that you are patient with us. Lord, we thank you for that patience. We thank you, Lord, that your desire is that we would grow to become more like you. Your desire is that none of us should perish. And so I thank you that you are continually patient with us. Lord, help us to take the patience you give us and extend that to one another. We know that your grace is undeserved love that we've received. And sometimes we have to distribute it to other people who also don't deserve it. Help us to be patient with one another. And Lord, I thank you that we can be reminded today that we can be patient with your help. And so help us in this, Lord. Help us to be people who wait on you, people who trust you, people who develop as we wait for the things that we're waiting for. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.